Uh, hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Soberland. My name is Lindsay Cowan, and I'm really excited to introduce today's guest. She's one of my favorite musicians. Aww. Yeah, for real. And she's also sober. Uh, please welcome my friend Jennifer Clavin. Clavin. Jennifer Clavin. <laughs> and not Clavin. Okay, but cool. Clavin is actually how you're supposed to pronounce it. Oh. Actually, so you were kind of right. It's kind of like mine. Like, mine's Cowan, but oh, I used to say Cohen, Cohen when I was little because I yeah. like, didn't like being associated with a cow. Cow, yeah. <laughs> but so, yeah, I kind of understand. Benny Bear, you have to stop. We also have special guest Benny. I'm so honored to finally meet him. <laughs> He's adorable. He's a little black poodle, and he looks like a teddy bear he looks like an actual teddy bear running around my house I love him. <laughs> right now he's staring at us with his tongue out oh <sighs> and i love the well i don't love this but we had some technical difficulties so we're sharing one mic so it's a very intimate talk yeah. very close to you right now <laughs> <laughs> um but cool thank you for being here thank and you for this. having me just um for those that may not be familiar you are a musician you've been i think if you don't mind going to like your story, um, I know you're in a band, Mika Miko. Mm-hmm. Mika Miko, yeah. When was that? Um, that was in 2002, I think, to 2010. Okay. Yeah. I Yeah, because I was like a huge loser then because I was like in, really into youth group and church. So oh, I, really? Yeah, I didn't oh. like know about the band. But then later, like in college, when I started oh. getting into music, I found... I, like, Were found, we like, still a band then? No, no. Oh. I was like old music videos. You would like be singing into like a telephone. Telephone, yeah. Is that like your thing? I made the telephone mic. Yeah, so Mika Miko, it was me and my two best friends from high school and my sister and mm-hmm. then her boyfriend when we first started. And I think we had just like dropped out of high school and two of us did, three of us did. So we just, and we were all living in the Valley and we were like, Oh, let's start a band. So we actually started a, like a grindcore crust band <laughs> called dead banana ladies. Oh my gosh. And that lasted like, I don't know, like less than a year and then we decided to like bring in saxophone to that band, <laughs> which then transformed into Mika Miko, which ended up being like a post-punk, like all-girl band. Okay. Well, not all-girl band. We had a guy drummer, but yeah. So then we like st- we discovered the smell, the, the venue, venue oh, okay. in downtown, and we met Jim, the owner. And at the time, the smell was just closing because there was like this crazy show that the fire department came and and like basically shut the smell down so then there was like this punk house on um western where like a bunch of like um our friends lived oh my god benny's annoying me i wonder what he's trying to get to though (laughs) should we put him in your bedroom or the bathroom benny you're gonna go on a timeout freaking king of balls it's crazy he will this is like an ongoing joke with him is that he will find any ball oh my god like in our play like even i'll take him to friends with houses with dogs and they'll be like how did he find that ball i didn't even know that still existed i didn't know that was there (laughs) that is so funny wow good boy benny that's really impressive wow that's really funny okay you can have that oh so cute (laughs) Um, (laughs) I feel like you were like so confused. Like, what is in my neighbor's house that he needs so bad? Is there food back there? I don't know. 
or dead body like in my neighbor's house. Um, okay, so uh wait what was it so they shut down the smell yeah they shut down the smell okay so the smell got shut down for a few months and in that time frame that's when this punk squat house like opened on vermont above like a furniture store and a bunch of our friends that worked at the smell were like squatting this house so they would have shows every weekend so that's where we first started playing and then Jim was would go to those shows that own the smell, and he was like, oh, when the smell reopens, you guys should play. And at the time, that was such a big deal. We were like, oh, my God, Jim asked us to play the smell. And so when it reopened, we started playing the smell, like, every weekend. And it, like, like the smell, like, transformed. It was, like, all of a sudden this place where all these, like, kids could come to shows because it was the only, like, all-ages spot at the time in L.A., mm-hmm. Is it still open? It's still open, surprisingly, because okay. there's been, like, a lot of rumors that it has to close yeah, just because of heard that. downtown being so, like, developed now mm-hmm. that um, that it's coming to a closing, but I'm also, like, not sure because it's still there. Okay. So it has, like, it sounds like it has a special place in your, your heart. Yeah, because then that's where, like, I just, like, discovered, like, myself as a musician and... We, like, all were very self-taught, so Mm -hmm. I don't know if we really saw, like, that much of a future with the band, because it's not like any of us went to school for music. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like just, like, doing it as, like, a passion project, and it's still getting so popular just on its own. And then we started, like, flying to Japan for shows and Europe and doing, like, U.S. tours with, like, bands that were pretty big, like, opening for them. So we just kind of kept going and going and going. And then it finally, like, so that was, like, maybe 2002 or 2003. And so you were, like, really young and you're, like, traveling the world. Yeah. Wow. Like, I can't believe our mom would let us take her minivan, like, just all over the U.S. Wow. And, like, also the internet wasn't, like, that. So, like, MySpace times? Yeah, it might have even been before. Wait, was MySpace first or Friendster? I never got into Friendster, so I'm not sure. MySpace was, I was in high school, so it was like 2004, 5, 6. Okay, yeah, I feel like MySpace had just started because I remember like we made like a band page uh-huh. on MySpace where you like pick your like five best songs and you like display them. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> we like, it was like, two. I think it was the end of 2009 or the beginning of 2010. We played our final show January 1st. Yeah, we played our final show January 1st, 2010, because it got to this point where all of us were like, okay, we all dropped out of high school. We didn't really have any, like, plans. Some of us had plans on things we wanted to, like, achieve, like, become a teacher or, like, (laughs) you know, lifelong goals. And, like, that kind of just got pushed aside for this band, Mika Miko, that wasn't ever in the plans. Mm -hmm. So... Finally, in 2009, I think we were like, okay, should we just end this band now? Like, and so we just did. Okay. It was kind of like a weird, unanimous decision. Like, you decision. guys are still, like, touring and popular and doing well. You just kind of were like, this time of our lives has come to an end. Yeah. 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 Let's go be teachers. Let's all go be <laughs> teachers. Only one of us became a teacher. And then Jesse, my sister, and I ended up starting Bleach. Did you, like, immediately start Bleach? No, I ended up going to New York and 
joining this band Cold Cave for like two years, mm-hmm. or maybe it was less than two years, but roughly two years. And then my sister ended up doing a band in LA called Cold Showers, <laughs> which is really cool funny. Things. Yeah. <laughs> and they both were very like goth and dark. Oh, wow. And then while I was doing that in New York, we were like, well, let's like try playing music together just to see if we, if we could just do it. Mm-hmm. And so we would like meet up. I would fly to LA. We would record like a seven inch and then like release it on a friend's label. So that's kind of how Bleach first started. We put out like three seven inches on different labels. Okay. And then that already went really well. Like from the first, I think the first seven inch or the second seven inch we we put up, it was already like Pitchfork had named it as like best new track, which I didn't know was like a good thing back then. Mm. But then the day it happened, I must have gotten like 20 text messages from friends like, congratulations. That's awesome. And I was like, oh, maybe I should be doing my own band. Yeah. But it was cool because Mika Mika was just so punk and like DIY. And then when I did Cold Cave, it was so like professional. Mm-hmm. So I got a taste of like what it was like to be in a band where like you actually could like make a living from it. But then it was just hard for me because it wasn't my band. Right. And so then I just felt really all of a sudden very passionate and like tunnel vision to do Bleached. And mm-hmm. so then... Yeah, and I like I love your, the music that you guys do, but I also love like the music videos and like your style and just Thanks. like your whole aesthetic is like really awesome. Thanks. It's like I'm sure it's very like Valley inspired. Yeah, like, you're, how you're brought up and yeah, you were born and raised here. Right? Well, yeah, I was born and raised in LA, and then we moved to the va- Valley when I was like in junior high. Okay. Yeah, and- which then I feel like the Valley was like such a big part of like my youth mm-hmm. and who I am today. Because just, like, growing up in suburbia, you just have to, like, figure things out, you know, like, in a different way than if you were in a city. The only way to get out, because none of us drove, was to, like, walk a mile to a bus and then take the bus, like, two hours into the val. I mean, into Hollywood. Uh So I feel like we ended up, like, figuring out how to, like, play instruments because of that. Yeah. And so you guys are still together in Bleach. Yeah. You and your sister and you kind of rotate. Yeah, and then we rotate like drummer and bass. Like right now our drummer is like I feel like he's going to be with us for a long time. It's kind of more like if he ends up getting some like crazy band offer, mm-hmm. then that'd probably be if we ever went separate ways that'd be why. But right now we're like all super dedicated. He recorded on the the record we just put out. We're like going to London. Um, is this the drummer that I matched with on Raya? Yes, <laughs> on the dating. App. Yes, it is. <laughs> it was a couple months ago. I have a boyfriend now, but yeah. Oh wait, I was gonna ask you about that. Yeah. Yay! I, I pretty, like pretty quickly after that, I met my boyfriend on a dating app. Oh my god, that's so cool! Together, but I did match with the drummer of your band. <laughs> wait, what dating app did you meet your boyfriend now on? I think it was Bumble. Mm. Yeah, and he's sober as well. And you guys just came out with a new album. Right? Yeah, and then we just came out with a new album called Don't You Think You've Had Enough, which is inspired inspired by, by getting sober. Yeah. Did you write um, this, like, these songs when you were sober, or is it a mix of before and after? Yeah, it was written all while I was sober, like, because I've been sober three and a half years, and we mm-hmm. took, like, probably, I think the record took about, two years to write yeah yeah and um it was interesting because at first when we started writing we'd been doing so much touring like we were for the first like well when I first got sober we had literally just released 
Welcome the Worms, our last record. Mm-hmm. So that record was written while I was like fucked up. Am I allowed to say that word? Oh yeah, oh. totally. And but I remember you told me that, and I was shocked because a lot of the songs on that album kind of like sound like sounded like you were you were getting sober. I know, like right? You're bettering yourself, or it was Isn't a lot that about crazy. Like, yeah. yeah, I feel like that is how much denial I was in. Wow. And also how much I wanted out of the lifestyle I was living. Yeah. And so, like, I know that song, like, Welcome the Worm. I mean, um, Wednesday Night Melody. Mm-hmm. It's, like, about it overdosing, right? like, no, it's just, or, like, it's, like, it's just about trying to figure out, like. No, in the music video, someone overdosed. Yeah, I die. Yeah, yeah I die <laughs> in the music video from overdosing. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, you're still using and drinking as you, when the you wrote The music video, I can't remember if I was sober or not. No, the music video, I was then sober. Okay. So, yeah, so right when that record came out, I had, like, just gotten sober. So, it's like, your, self, your subconscious was telling you, like, this is what you exactly. need. Exactly. You're still, like, using and drinking. Yeah. So, yeah, this is a good transition into your story. Yeah, I, yeah. I'd love to hear, yeah, more about, like, what happened. Okay, yeah. So, I guess taking it back, when we were... I Okay, so for me, I just, like, never knew I had a problem like, with drinking or drugs. Like, I was like, I can control this. And so it all, like, it used to, when it, when I was in Mika Miko, it was a lot of fun times drinking. Like, I had, like, a straight-edge boyfriend for six years when I was in Mika Miko, so I didn't really, like, drink around him. And then when he would go on tour, I would go crazy mm. and, like, get crazy drunk and, like, black out. But I just thought that was just me being, like, a young musician yeah just having fun and like oh my boyfriend's on tour Mm -hmm. like whatever I don't drink when he's home and then um yeah and now it's funny looking back because I actually just ran into a friend and (laughs) we were talking about like when we were like really like nine I think in ninth grade I remember she gave me my first tab of acid. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I like didn't remember that. And then I remember like we did, we like, like did some really hard drugs like back then that I was just like experimenting with. Mm-hmm. And so it's funny looking back and being like, okay, maybe this has always been an issue and we've just been in denial the whole time. Because mm-hmm. also my dad is 36 years sober and they say like it usually, passes right it down. can be like somewhat genetic yeah. yeah so um but then that's the thing is I never related to like my dad's story but as a kid I used to go to AA meetings with him so I was like aware of AA and my mom was in Al-Anon so mm-hmm. I was aware of all that they made me go to Alateen I hated it Alateen yeah I didn't even know that existed. it was the worst wow yeah so all teenagers who have, like, parents. That yeah. that, are. And it was, like, there was this, like, joint meeting where it was an AA meeting and an Al-Anon meeting and then an Alateen meeting happening. And so... Sounds like would, a superhero, like, <laughs> team. Alateen. Like. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember the guy being like, okay, we're going to go around the room and everyone has to say who their god is. And I, like, uh. my... I, like, was not raised on religion at all. Like, my dad is atheist my mom is agnostic so he was like so your god could be a glass of milk if you want it to be so I literally was just like my god is a glass of milk because I didn't know what else to say oh my gosh yeah I remember I was really embarrassed why I just I feel like now that's a thing people are just like 
it's that idea is more accepted and like more talked about like your god can be whatever yeah i know right and so i think that's why i always remember that because i remember thinking then i was like so embarrassed and had no idea what the word i don't even know what god meant like Mm -hmm. i think i thought it was like an angry man in this in the (laughs) sky so then and now like having so much like going to so many meetings and hearing people talk about their gods all the time. I'm like, or their higher power or whatever, right. the universe. So the first drug you ever did was acid? Well, just like, no, no, no. First drug I ever did was like smoking weed. I remember okay. like we I was going to say, that's like an intense, like yeah, first drug. I know. Some acid. But it was like, okay, actually, when I was like in elementary school, my best friend and I, I remember her dad would always be like, hey, go fill up my beer. And so we'd run to the kitchen, but it was non-alcoholic. It was a huge uh, like container of non-alcoholic beer. Hmm. And we would pour it and we would overpour it so it would spill everywhere. And then we would lick it <laughs> off the counter. But it was non-alcoholic? <laughs> I think it was non-alcoholic okay. if I remember correctly. But we were obsessed with doing that. And then, so that was like, or it might have, I don't know, it might have been wine or non-alcoholic beer. I just remember it was something very, like, just, like, something a dad would drink. Okay. <laughs> and then, um, like, a classy dad. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, but then my friend, who I was just talking about, where I did the acid with, I remember the first time I ever did a drug was with her. We smoked weed on the beach, and it was laced with rat poison. <gasps> Yeah. Oh, my god! I know. Can that kill like, you? Yeah. But apparently it was, like, the cheap way to get, like, high, and I just hung out with, like, the bad kids. So oh. it was like, okay, I'll do whatever these kids are doing. And then I remember us sitting on, like, a lifeguard tower and just, like – and I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> so you, like, immediately, like, were into the feeling of – Yeah, I was just like, this is high. cool. Yeah. This feels right. And then – yeah, and then when we – so then when we started playing music, like, I I don't know. I remember, like – yeah, so then my whole thing where I was talking about my straight boyfriend leaving town, I drank. And then in Mika Miko, I remember the need for alcohol before a show became more intense as time went on. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember being in the back of the smell, which was, like, a no-drinking venue. They didn't serve alcohol. Mm-hmm. Like, Jim didn't want alcohol there. But we would, like, sneak in flasks, and we would just, like – get super drunk before we had to play because all of a sudden like my nerves started hitting me more and more the older I got Mm -hmm. and I would just be like I need to like be like gone for this show because I if I if I'm not like drunk I'm like gonna be too nervous to like perform I don't know that's kind of like now that I'm so now that I perform sober I'm like that's such a funny idea to like have to like be like just so, like, out, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just, like, I don't know, just not I, present. I feel that way, like, even when I want to go meet someone still, like, mm-hmm. or meet, like, go to a party or, like, I'm going to meet up with someone. Like, I have such anxiety beforehand that I want to, like, drink. So I can totally imagine, like, doing a show in front of, like, a bunch of people. Like, the anxiety and the nerves are, like, yeah, even higher than that. Yeah. Yeah, so I I know that feeling. I still struggle with that. I know. And maybe it is, like, anxiety that I even still struggle with, too, that I've never really, like, addressed or something. But... um, So you would drink before your shows? Yeah. So we would just get really drunk, and then 
Yeah, and then we would go on these tours, but I feel like I still was like, I need to be responsible. So I was constantly like in battle with like, like being a responsible person and then getting really fucked up and feeling like I didn't have anything to worry about. Mm. Like, I feel like the sober me was always just very like, everything has to be perfect, like overthinking everything, control freak, perfectionist. And then when I drink, it would let it all go and it felt like so much relief. Yeah. Had like melted away. Mm -hmm. And like, I didn't know how, I never like was given the tools to like do that without drinking. So when I discovered drinking, I was like, oh, this is like, this is what I've been searching for to make me feel like a normal human. Right. Like self-medicate. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Which I feel like there should be like a class. Like in an, junior high. Exactly. Like a, like they have a sex class. Do like a anxiety how yeah. to deal with life class. And maybe even just like higher power, like yeah. just like all that, like mm-hmm. just explaining that to everybody because it's so confusing mm-hmm. when we're so young. And and then um yeah, so then after that then that when I moved to New York to do to play with that one band, I like got into like that's when I first tried Coke for the first time. Like I'd never tried Coke. And then that was just like I was never that into like hard hard drugs. Like that just made me feel like like the worst pain I'd ever felt was the f- day after I'd done a bunch of Coke. Like the coming down of yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, it's intense. For yeah. Sure. So up until then, it was like drink, like alcohol yeah, just was alcohol. your main thing. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then, and then and and then, like I said, I still was able to like prove to myself that it wasn't a problem. Mm-hmm. So then, like time went on, and I came back to LA and doing bleached. And then I feel like the drinking just escalated, like going on tour, meeting friends in bands, and just having the most insane nights of drinking, mm-hmm. and like. Drugs would always come after the drinking. And when your judgment's really great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> after drinking for three hours. Yeah, drugs sound yeah, <laughs> sounds exactly. like a great idea. And then, I don't know, it was just kind of like so much just like I feel like what you would imagine. I was going to say, is it like what you imagine being in a van and touring? Just like people giving you, buying you drinks, yeah. giving you drugs? Yeah, just, It exactly. really is like that? Yeah, it seriously is like that. And like it's always like what kind of alcohol do you want? Like, that's the most important question, I feel like. And then also getting to the venue, it's like, where is the alcohol? Mm. And and then just like, I don't know, I must have blacked out like half the amount, half the time I ever performed. I was going to say, were you ever so drunk, like on stage where you like I wouldn't, messed up? Yeah, or? I wouldn't remember. The, then I would get so drunk, black out, perform, and then not remember how what I did. And then be really, like, feel a lot of shame mm-hmm. the next morning because I'm like, oh, did I embarrass myself on stage? Like, or did I even just, like, with anybody, did I embarrass myself? And just making, like, so many poor decisions and then waking up and feeling so, like, just, like, disappointed in myself and my decisions. And, like, I don't know. It felt like it was, like, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Mm-hmm. Like, what? Like, who am I? And then, and then feeling like the real me was like the drunk 
me, like, I'd be like, this is who I am. Like, especially when you're like doing something like performing and you kind of master that, like performing while under the influence. And then you kind of feel like you can't perform without it. Totally. 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 Yeah. And okay. So then actually I, okay. So I'm type one diabetic. So I ended up in the hospital because of drinking and drugs and having, and being diabetic and so I got out. That, that one's kind of a blur. But then a few months later, I was back in the hospital again. This time it was worse where I was in, like, ICU. Oh, wow. And I remember I, like, had to sign, like, my will over to my mom. And I was like – and they were like, why are – like, did you drink alcohol? Like, what's happening? And, like, little did they know I was doing so much drinking, taking – like, doing so much coke – but I was just like, oh, I just have like a half a bottle of wine, like lying to the doctors. They were like, we don't know why you're not like why this isn't getting better. Mm-hmm. And so and then I got out of the hospital. I had to go play a show and I convinced them to let me out early so I could go play this show because it was opening up for social distortion. Ooh. It was two nights, two nights of it. So I was like, OK, I'm going to convince them that I can that I'm fine, which I was fine. I got to. The show, I was like, I can't drink, obviously. So I don't drink. So that was my first, like, sober show. And I was, like, shaking. Mm. Like, I feel like it was awful because I was just shaking so much. I remember I had, like, a Band-Aid on my, like, my throat because I had – they had put a tube in my jugular. And I remember the Band-Aid fell off mid-set. And I was like, this is so, like, just, like, pathetic in a weird way. Like – And then, so the second night comes around, and I'm like, I cannot do that again, so I need a drink. So I'm drinking already two days out of the hospital, and still not thinking I have a problem at all. (laughs) And then, um, yeah, and then I'm just still, like, partying, partying, blacking out, blacking out. Like, every, every night becomes, like, a blackout, and I remember thinking, like, this is so crazy. Like I go out to have one beer and then I come and then I'm not even coming home till like 7 a.m. and like not even knowing how I got to where I got. Mm-hmm. Just like it just kept happening over and over. Did you have someone like kind of looking out for you? I just had my two friends at the same time that were also like oh, in wow. the same so you boat. all were just getting like fucked up yeah, together. But like kind of looking out for each mm-hmm. other. <laughs> Struggling. To yeah. Out. The struggle was real. <laughs> Very real. Oh, wow. And then I remember this one night, like, all of us started out together, and we all went separate ways, like, getting trashed on our own, going to other parties or whatever. And then we all came home at the same time, but all of us had locked ourselves out. So we all separately had to break into the apartment. And I remember I was breaking in through one window as my other roommate was breaking in through the other window while the other one was calling me from the roof. And I was like, this is... Oh, so crazy. That is why. And now two of us are sober and one of us, I don't think she actually has a drinking problem. She was just like probably, we probably just encouraged her. Yeah. Just to, like young and having fun. Yeah. And your friends are wild. And you. she was the youngest. Yeah. Oh, so okay. that makes sense. Um, so then finally it's like, okay, Jennifer, don't you think you've had enough rock bottoms? <laughs> don't you think you've had enough? Exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so then... The final thing that, like, hit me was I went out. It was around Christmas. 
Oh, yeah. It was so it was Christmas Day. My parents were in town and I was like, I'm not going to drink because I don't have a drinking problems. So I don't need to drink in front of my parents. So I didn't drink. And then the next day, my sister has like a show. She's doing like a solo show. It was like a cover band. And I was like, oh, my God, I have to I have to like get so wasted right now because like I'm finally free from like hanging out with my parents so I like get I like get home. We had like a bunch of hard liquor and I'm just like taking shot after shot. And then I get to the bar where my sister's playing. I remember I ordered like two beers because I was like, I can't like be, not be without an, a drink. And then like and then I just like black out or more like a brown out or I have vague memory of the night. Mm. And there's just like just like getting myself into dangerous situations. Like I got in a car with some guys I didn't know. And then I remember being, like, I don't know, just, it's, like, I don't really remember. And then, and then waking up in a motel lobby in Inglewood. And, like, surrounded by six cops trying to, like, arrest me because they think I'm a prostitute. (laughs) And I'm just, like, what? First of all, I was, like, I'm wearing overalls. I'm not a prostitute. (laughs) My phone is, like, on 1%. And... I remember seeing like the bulletproof glass with the check, the guy behind the bulletproof glass that checks you into the motel. And I'm just like, I don't know how I'm here. Like, you don't have any, any memory of how you got All there. I remember was like getting in a car with these random guys. Oh and gosh. then I feel like my brain shut down because it probably was just like trying to like protect myself. So I have this feeling that I just passed. They, pro- I think it was probably like some sort of drug thing. And I went with them. And then I like, passed out in the lobby before anything. That's mm. what I think. And then I remember, like, this one cop trying to help me. One cop I remember being really mean, and then another cop, like, trying to help me, and then he helped me, like, figure out how to call my sister. And then my phone died, so I couldn't order an Uber. And then the cops ordered me a taxi and just put me in a taxi. And then I got home, and the taxi was like, okay, that's, like, $50. And I was like, I don't have any money. Like, I think I had like, I probably had like $200 in my bank account. And I was like, $50 is a lot right now for me. <laughs> and I had to go to the bank. And like, he had to take me to the bank to pay him. It was oh just gosh. like so pathetic. And so I. Um, but also, like, thank God you're okay. Like, you I were know. With, like, it was a bunch really of scary. strange men. Uh, yeah, it was knows. really, it was scary. And then. I, but so what I did is I get – finally I get home in my – like into my room and I voice memo everything I remembered because I was like, this has got to stop. Like this blacking out, I don't remember what happens and then I re- keep repeating the same thing. It's I, This time I was like, this has, this has to stop. I have to remember this tomorrow morning mm-hmm. because this is enough to make me stop. So and like so, like meaning like if the craving to drink came back like maybe that next day you would be like wait before I drink let me listen to this yeah that- like I was just like yeah I feel like I just all I was thinking was like I can't keep doing this mm-hmm. and I keep going out planning to like have one drink and then these crazy things keep happening but I wouldn't really remember because of the blacking out mm-hmm. so I was like this time it's like actually I'm terrified. Like, of what could have happened. Right. And so I was like, I have to put this in this voice memo because I know I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning and I'm not going to remember again. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to be like, what happened again last night? 
Like, was was that, you know, like. And just start drinking again. And, probably, yeah. yeah. And then, or maybe I would have done a thing where I'd be like, oh, I need to take like a week off. Mm. And then. Yeah. So then I like woke up the next morning and I had my phone there and I listened to the voice memo and I was like, this is so sad. So I called my dad and I was like, dad, I have a problem. I need to stop drinking. And he was like, I'll take you to a meeting right now. And so he like took me to an AA meeting with all these fancy people mm-hmm. in on the West side. Luckily they were in town. Oh wow. So, and he was the only person I knew Really knew that was sober. Mm-hmm. I knew like maybe a couple people from just like the music scene. Um, also, it's funny because I do have this memory of asking, running into sober people like a few months before I actually got sober and asking them like, oh, so you're able to like go hang out and be sober. So I think that was also mm-hmm. my subconscious like realizing that it was coming. You, yeah, yeah. And so then, yeah, and then so... That was, like, it. I was, like, I – so then I – Your dad I, took you to a meeting. Yeah, my dad t- took me to a meeting. All the people at the meeting looked so good. <laughs> and I just was, like – I had, like, my purple dyed hair and, like, was still, like, drunk from the night before. And I just was, like, I want what these people have right now. Like, I cannot keep doing this. So my, that was it. That was the last time I ever drank and – and now it's like three and a half years. And so my first year of sobriety was like really exciting because I ended up having like coincidentally a few other friends got sober. Like even one of my really good friends, we have completely different stories. We weren't even that close at the time. We both are like within two days of each other. Oh, that's yeah. Crazy. And now we're like super good friends and. Um, and then like we were about to leave on a tour, welcome the worms. The last album was just coming out and the band we went on tour with was like three sober people. Mm. So it was just like so fun. Like I was like, oh, this is like so cool. And like the first like half year I was waking up like thinking I had drunk, drank in the night before and mm-hmm. being like, wait, what did I do last night? Did you ever night? have like nightmare? I was going to say dreams, but they're more like nightmares where you did like relapse. Yeah. And drink. I used to get those. Yeah. Like, my first like six months. Yeah, yeah, totally. And you feel like guilty. You're like, like you did it, but you're like, no, I, I didn't do it. It was a dream. It, they're so real. Yeah. So how did like um, performing and being sober in a band go? Because that was like, it sounded like a big part of your, of yeah. your basically like pre-show ritual was I to know, drink. right? I think like I just was so, it was scary, but because I was so done with drinking, like I knew it wasn't an option anymore. Mm-hmm. I like knew I had to figure out how to perform sober. Mm-hmm. And I had such a good support group, which I think is so important when you're first sober is the support group like through AA or yeah like I had it through it yeah yeah everyone I met through AA okay and so um yeah it it just like really helped me out and I was then also surrounded by so many musicians and performers and I think just seeing that like super talented successful musicians and artists in the rooms and being like oh if they can do it sober like than I can too. Mm-hmm. And and so And you gotta like probably or I should I don't know, I feel like now people are looking at you thinking, thinking that same thing because you're 
you're open about it. That's how like, yeah, I knew it, you know, yeah. on social media and being like, oh, wow, like she's sober. Like, that's cool. Like that's really if I cool. can do that, then if she can do it, then I can do it. So I'm sure that's you're kind of really just like cool. passing on that message and vibe to it's, other people. It's funny because I don't know that. Like you telling me that is really cool. And it reminds me like, like, yeah, even though we don't know, we're like maybe helping other people or inspiring them to mm-hmm. get sober or live a healthier life it's like I also needed those people to inspire me that they probably have no idea yeah because if you're if you're not sober and you're still drinking it kind of feels like for me it kind of felt like whenever I knew that sobriety was eventually going to happen for me kind of like you did for yourself like it was going to come or I was going to die yeah (laughs) but like I I also viewed it as like the end of the world when it Mm -hmm. did come so I think seeing people that like I really admire that I consider like quote-unquote cool like being sober and still like doing their art and being very like interesting and creative and cool like that's like oh life doesn't end necessarily like it actually can get better totally so it's really great that you're like open about that thanks I know because it's like sometimes I think a lot of us don't want to be open about it because it's like almost feels like okay well if I screw up and do drink again because we're taught to take it one day at a time like I don't want to then all of a sudden be a bad example but yeah because that also like kind of keeps you accountable and puts yeah. a lot of pressure on you like yeah. oh my god all these people know yeah I can't fuck up but I almost feel like at this point I'm like totally accepting of that like I just feel so done with that life and like I forgot to mention this too like the last also the last month of my drinking like or maybe the last few months, I just remember like doing so much, so many psychedelics Mm. every night, mushroom or Molly, mushroom and Molly, and then going into the studio, staying up till 9am, getting home, driving so high on mushrooms back to my house to sleep for two hours and then wake up and have to go to the studio to record and like acting like I was totally fine. Wow. When, and then like passing out on a couch, like it was just so much work. It's like so like mentally draining. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And so it's just like I just remember all that. And now I'm like as a sober person, I'm like I don't ever want that. And if ever like I'm going – like still today, like there will be things that I go through. Like my first breakup when I was sober was really hard. Like mm-hmm. that's when I realized I – there was like the emotional sobriety – aspect of it that I hadn't even like touched on yet Mm -hmm. and so like my second year was really about like figuring out the emotional sobriety yeah and not just like I'm not gonna drink but also like how am I gonna react to things in life that come up exactly Yeah. yeah and I feel like a lot of us don't even realize that side of it yeah. until it hits you I know I mm. haven't because that's what we were doing is we were drinking to not feel them I mean exactly. for me yeah it was drinking to not feel I know I honestly I'm I have a year and two and a half months of sobriety Yay. and so uh, yeah I nothing like super emotional has happened I mean like I had to give up my dog, which was really upsetting. But, like, I haven't had a breakup. No one has, like, passed away, thank God. But, like, so I I am nervous about when Mm. that first thing comes up. Like, how am I going to handle it? Yeah, totally. Am I going to turn to alcohol? Like, I don't want to. Yeah. So I just – I do have a fear about that. So how did you handle the breakup then? Uh, I just, like – I 
just knew that what drinking was going to lead me to. So I knew I just had to push through the like pain and the fear. Mm -hmm. And I just like surrounded myself by a lot of people that were sober and that like understood and, and, um, yeah. And then I just like made it through and I feel like I learned so much. Like I became more spiritual during that time. Like I like started just like praying, which is something I've never been open to. And that was really helpful. Like praying for like the other people that I was like resentful of mm. is so helpful. And who, who knew? Who's <laughs> who's like, or what do you consider like your higher power now? Is it still that glass of milk? <laughs> yeah. No. Oh my God. What if? Um, now it's just like, it's, it's something I'm still trying to figure out because I feel like it's like, like higher power is so big that it can't even define it, you know? Yeah. But I think like just for me, it's like I see it as like the universe mm-hmm. and things that I have no control over. But like I read this thing once, like our our eyes know how to blink, our hair knows how to grow, our fingernails grow on their own. Like we have no control over that. So just like the idea of of things that are way bigger than me that happen naturally, like to me, that's just like what higher power is. Mm-hmm. And just like those things that like you'll be thinking about someone and then they call you that day or you run into them. It's like that kind of stuff is just like there is something beyond my power working with me. I totally agree with that. What So what kind of things do you do to like to embrace that? Like do you pray or meditate? I know like we've talked about tarot cards. Like what kind of spiritual things do you I have been meditating so much lately. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's so hard to do. It's crazy because it it – so yeah, so I'm three and a half years and it's taken me this last third year now to get into the meditating side. Because that's like step 11. Yeah, it's step so 11 or ten, yeah, step 11. 11. And I, um, when I was sponsoring someone, I'd heard at a meeting that someone said that their sponsors started them on that step the meditation step. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's such a good idea, but a lot of people are against it. So yeah, that's actually kind of how I started because I got sober by going to treatment, but it was like a very holistic spiritual treatment place. And so, yeah, so that we did meditation, like that was mostly all we did when we were there. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I got sober. And that's, I found that to be really helpful. So I totally get that. Yeah. Like that people do that. Cause then it's like, because for me, I, since it was the last step, it kind of took me, I don't know, it's still, I think in the beginning I would have been so desperate for well, whatever like ha- was going to work that meditation would have been a little more like ingrained in me. Yeah, like how do you do the other steps? I wouldn't even know how to like do the other steps or like live without, live sober without meditation. Like, yeah. So I feel like that, I don't know, not to, I know AA's been around I know, for like I know, I know, a million like years. Like let's redo the steps. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think it's like important to have the whole time, which is like, it's not like you can't meditate until you get. I know it's true. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So you've been Uh, meditating a lot. Yeah. So I like, I discovered this, like this thing where it's like these like deep meditations and deep imaginings, I think it's called Hmm. deep imagining. Is that what it's called? I'm not. It's like part of like shadow work. And so you like, you They okay, so this whole thing is about like getting into your 
acknowledging your shadows and bringing them to light and accepting them. And a lot of our shadows are like things that we've developed when we were like young that we were like shamed for, like certain moments in our lives that like a family member shamed us for unknowingly or um, like a like a friend or something. And then you felt like it wasn't okay to like show that aspect of yourself. So you kind of like buried it within Mm -hmm. you. And so to this day now, a lot of times when we like reject something or when we're projecting on someone, it's because it's a denied aspect of ourselves that we're not allowing because we've like hidden it. So that's like where the shadow lives. Okay, And so this whole thing, is about like going into these really deep meditations and like letting your subconscious kind of lead the way where you like remember moments that this kind of stuff has happened and then Mm, being okay with it. It's (laughs) so heavy. How do you, or something guide you through that? Yeah, like I joined this one program called To Be Magnetic. I'm just going to say it because I'm like, is it supposed to be secretive? But it's online. Like, Is it like a Illuminati? It feels (laughs) a little like culty, a little bit. No, but not really, not at all. I never heard of it. But okay, so I was like, it was because I'm like now open to the idea of like, higher power and like we were saying when you run into a friend or like just certain things happening where you're like oh that's weird that that happened because I was just thinking about that Mm -hmm. and so I'm kind of more open to just all that stuff happening so I was like I went to House of Intuition this Mm -hmm. crystal store in LA and this girl I was telling her I was like I'm just really working on this part of my life where I want to let go of stuff like and in the steps, we, like, make amends to a lot of people, and I hadn't really f- finished through with them. So I was like, I need to do that. And also just, like, like I just wanted to let go of, like, childhood stuff that I was still holding on to, you know, even, like, subconsciously. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, well, I just did – I just joined this program to be magnetic. And I was like, you know what? I feel like there's a reason I walked into this store right now and you told me about this so I'm going to go investigate what this program is. And so um, I looked it up and I was like, you know what? I feel like this is just like too much of like a message from whatever my higher power is. So I need to do this. And so I just like joined it and now I've been doing it. And I'm like, this is one of the best things I've ever done. Wow. Like it feels like years of therapy. In so like, Do you go to like a, somewhere? No, like- it's all like online. Oh, so okay. this lady, I don't remember her name, but she used to just be like, like, um, you would have to make appointments to see her. Mm-hmm. And then she decided to make it this online thing so it's, like, accessible to anybody. Okay. Yeah. And she, she like, talks about – it's very spiritual. So you, you have to be very open to, like, that side of things mm-hmm. to be into it. But, yeah, I'm just the type of person that likes to get to the root of everything. Yeah. So – yeah, you're inspiring me. So, no, because I feel like lately I've been do- I've been really happy because I'm like in a new relationship. Yeah, totally. And he- he's sober too, so life is like easy and it's fun and just like life is it's going good. But I know that that doesn't mean I need to like neglect my spiritual life or mm-hmm. going to meetings. And I 100 percent have done that. Mm-hmm. And so you're just kind of r- reminding me of the importance of that. So I need to like take care of myself. Regardless. And I totally know that feeling mm-hmm. too. I know that where it's like, why do I need to like work on me when I'm happy? Yeah. 
I know, totally. Because you can't just do that when it, things are bad. <laughs> like, yeah. You have to do it all the time. But then when things are bad, that's when it forces that to happen, right. which also I feel like is cool. Yeah. But I want to do it. Yeah. I, yeah, totally. Like, keep your foundation strong. Yeah. So then when something goes bad, it's not as, like, intense and mm-hmm. scary as it would be. Yeah. Without the, the fall f- won't be as hard. I yeah, think. exactly. Yeah. So I uh, just remembered you were going to tell me a story about your dog, Benny. Oh, yeah. That's right. Okay. Because you asked where you when, got him Where from. I got Benny. Yeah. And so it was like, I think I got him like, yeah, four about four years ago when I was still drinking and I was convinced that if I got a little dog, it would like calm me down and it would give me something to have to like take care of. Mm-hmm. And so you I, really were like subconsciously I know, like right? preparing yourself. Yeah. Sober, yeah. And so I um, was looking on Craigslist and this, there was a post for Benny and he was so small and this lady was just like trying to give, find a home for this dog. And I was like, Oh my God, I need that dog. So I like met her in a parking lot at the Olive Garden. It was like an Olive Garden red lobster parking lot. Love that parking lot. <laughs> in like Monrovia or something. Uh, okay. And then I was like, oh, where's the dog? And then she opened up her jacket and it was just sitting there. And I was like, oh, my God. God. That's such a Craigslist, like, sales move. Like, look at my jacket. I have, like, what we came here to meet for. (laughs) And then it was good because there's so many scams on Craigslist where people are, like, rehoming fee and it's, like, $400. And this lady was just like, I just want, like, $70 for the shots that I'd given him. Here's the receipt. So I was like, okay, this isn't a scam. I don't want to ask her why she's getting rid of the dog because I don't even want to know. I just want this dog so bad. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, and then I got him. And then that still wasn't enough to make me stop drinking. Yeah, but I bet it was helpful when you did get sober, like, to have that yeah, companionship. Yeah, totally, totally. There's, like, social life changes and everything, mm-hmm. so it's nice to have that. Yeah, totally. Oh, he's so cute. I know, and he found the ball. He found the one ball. <laughs> He knows that word, like ball. <laughs> oh. oh, I was interested to hear about like your sister kind of because you guys obviously seem close since you're mm-hmm. like in a band together. And is she sober as well? Yeah, so Jesse ended up getting sober a year after me. Okay. So the first year of touring was a little bit intense because she was still actively drinking and I was like, just the only person other than so the first tour what I was remember I was saying we went on a tour with a band that was all sober so that was really cool but then after that we continued to do tours for for the year where I would sometimes be the only sober person and it was a little bit it's really hard difficult Yeah. yeah but then I don't know it was just so crazy because I just never wanted to go back to drinking because mm-hmm. I was like, that rock bottom, like, scared me. Yeah, if you want it bad enough, like, you'll do whatever it yeah. takes to be yeah, sober. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Because I think it all of a sudden I was like, when that rock bottom happened, I was like, I that this could have ended so horribly. Like, I don't know. What if I had – I don't know what could have happened. Mm-hmm. But I all of a sudden was like, I actually want to live. Like, I I, – because, yeah, we – I mean, I used to – I feel like you said this too, but I used to – drink to like hopefully black out and never wake up again mm. my sp- my old sponsor had a word for it it was like something 
passive suicide, oh, maybe. That makes sense. But it was just like, yeah, you're like basically you're so miserable you're wanting to die so you're like drinking yeah like and you kind of would be okay if something bad happened that's so dark but yeah yeah, so dark was in that spot yeah and like that's why it's like so crazy to me that I would end up in the hospital and like still not care Mm -hmm. just like somehow that wasn't even enough to be like okay you need to get sober and that's crazy because like I still will sometimes have like cravings and it's like why am I craving this thing that like made me so miserable yeah and me to totally such a place. also I, I wonder about that because the other day I was at I was at Echo Park Rising and there was like a martini on the table like a perfect martini with the green olives mm-hmm. and I was like my instinct is to want to pick that up and down the whole thing mm-hmm. but then I'm like, maybe it's just because I can't have it that I want it so bad. Mm, yeah. And then I don't actually want it. Like, there's no way in hell I would have picked that up at all. Like, yeah. Even for $1,000. I think that's, yeah, because I fantasize about, like, wanting to be a normal drinker. Like, on a Saturday night, I'm like, damn, I wish I could just, like, go out to dinner with my friends and, like, split a bottle of wine yeah. and just go home. I think it's, like, that, too, just wishing that you could be like everyone else. Yeah, but, totally. But, no. Yeah. So what is, is it? it? Always your non-alcoholic wine. I know. I went to the comedy store last night and I had non-alcoholic beer. And oh, it, cool! It was like it was cool. They're doing that so much now. Like when we played Moroccan Lounge, there was a non-alcoholic beer that's like zero percent, and it tasted. It was like whoa, this tastes it's, like beer. It, the first time I had it was just like recently, so I was already like a year sober, and I was like, I feel like I'm drinking beer. It was like a real mind fuck. It was like it tastes so similar. Yeah. And a lot of people are like, why would you, if you, why would you even want to drink fake beer? But I think it's just like, just like a little exciting. Yeah. Like to feel like I'm at a nightclub. Right. I wouldn't like, like drink it at home by myself, but if like I'm at yeah, somewhere exactly. where other people are drinking, like, yeah. it just, yeah, it makes you feel like a little bit included. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but. Yeah, I agree. So is it like, is it weird performing now sober? No. So now it's just like. I mean, I still get really nervous, but, like, me and my friends are actually just talking about this. Like, I have one friend who says she doesn't get nervous at all, and she's a sober performer. And then for me, I'm like, I still get really nervous, but then it's, like, after – it's almost like the nerves, like, fuel me, and I'm fine. Like, I'm like, that's kind of cool. Like It's exciting. Yeah, because it's, like, exciting. I still care a lot. And it – it um. And then it goes away, like, after the first song, you know, yeah. and then I'm fine. But sometimes maybe I feel a little inhibited, and I'm like, if I had alcohol, I would have, I would not be so nervous. But then that's not, that's not even a real thing. I can't just drink a little bit. Yeah, it's like all the feelings that, like, you were numbing out with alcohol, and now all the feelings that you feel sober. It's just yeah. one of the many. And yeah. So it's kind of nice to be, like, a part of your life. And yeah, exactly. Totally, and be present. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, cool. And, like, I don't know, now just, like, I feel like I didn't touch base on this as much, but just, like, my life now is just so much better and I'm so much happier. And, like, also I dealt with, like, it hasn't – maybe it will come back to me, but, like, I haven't really dealt with, like, depression like I used to have. Like, especially when I first got sober, I had to, like, figure that out. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm now, like, learning to finally also accept – my feelings, I think for so long, I like still as a sober person would be like, I don't want to feel, I don't want to feel. So I'd like suppress it. Mm-hmm. And then that just makes it harder. So now I'm like really practicing like when a feeling comes to just accept it. And when it when I do that, it just makes it so much easier. Mm. 
And it's funny because when we were doing interviews for Welcome the Worms, I was saying all this stuff. <laughs> but I'm like, I didn't even know what I was talking about because I didn't know. I guess I subconsciously wanted that. Like feeling? Like- yeah, like the whole, I remember talking about feeling so much during that record cycle and being like, you just got to like feel the feelings and like. <laughs> <laughs> You're like looking into the future like, of yourself. Yeah, I'm like three and a half years later, I'm still trying to understand how to feel feelings. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you about, like, your mental health, too, like, beyond just sobriety, like, what things have come up for you, so, like, depressions, one thing? Yeah, definitely depression, anxiety. The classics. The classics. I I know. I hate them. (laughs) Yeah. Even the word anxiety gives me anxiety. Yeah, it just, I really struggle with my anxiety still. It's just, like, it's a part of my everyday life, and I'm like, how do I control this? I don't know. I'm like, obviously, like when I do things like meditation and those help like momentarily, mm-hmm. like in a little bit after. But then as soon as I get back into like this, like my the cycle of life, I like lose myself again in it. And I'm just like, do I have to be on medication again for it? Like, it's like a really, I mean, it's better, but it's still a struggle for me. Mm-hmm. I know. It can, it's like, it's really hard sometimes. Just like the feeling, like it feels like sickening almost. And it's like. I'm, I feel like, like, I do a lot of breathing when I can. When I start noticing it coming mm-hmm. on, I'm like, okay, just breathe, just breathe. Like, realize we're just, like, where I am right now in the present moment. Like, someone one time gave me advice to, like, you, like, look at something you can see. You look at something you can feel feel or you feel some like you go through all the five senses and that take brings you back to the present moment Mm -hmm. but I know or like a body scan too anything where you're just like not focusing on anything else other than right now yeah yeah I feel like that's why like I'm so grateful being a musician because I I those nights where I perform it's all of a sudden like I am so in the now and so present because, like, I wouldn't be able to perform if I wasn't. Mm-hmm. So just having that experience yeah. is so nice. Has your writing style changed and, like, how you write music? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So then with this record, Don't You Think You've Had Enough, I wrote that all from a place of sobriety. And so in the beginning, I when we first started writing it, I was like, is this going to be the most boring record ever? Because now I'm sober. Like, what do I have to say? It's not. (laughs) I listened to it. It's not boring at all. It's the opposite of boring. Because then I ended up actually, like, revisiting old situations and, like, unhealthy situations that I, like, feel like I had learned from. And, like, I feel like writing about all that was also a way of, like, letting it go and releasing a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And so, so. But you did have that fear of, like. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's why the record ended up becoming Don't You Think You've Had Enough because I realized I was singing a lot about the past and, like, putting a, a putting a end to that chapter. Mm. And and then, yeah, so now I'm, like, really excited about this record. I feel like this is one of my most favorite records we've ever written. Oh, really? Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Other than the song Electric Chair. Oh, ours. my God, I love that song. <laughs> that, what, like, what inspired that song? That song, I had just, like, gone through a really insane breakup. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you're comparing the breakup? To getting out of an electric chair <laughs> and then not seeing the person anywhere. Okay. When we were talking about um, Mika Miko and touring, 
we didn't, none of us had like smartphones. I think we had one Blackberry. Mm. So like booking those tours and was so crazy. Like I would basically just get a bunch of contacts from my boyfriend at the time who was in a band and email like someone in like multiple people in every state and then see whoever emailed me back and was willing to put a show on for us. And then just doing it that way and then having to print a book of all these like places we were going with maps <laughs> and just rely on this and then our one Blackberry that we had on the oh road. Oh my God. Were you like map questing? It was crazy. And then one time the one of the girls in the band was like looking at the book in the front seat and she would like, we had just given her a bunch of Kava Kava which is like a natural relaxant. Oh, okay. And she just was like so chill reading the book and she just like somehow let it go and it just flew out <gasps> the window. And all of us were just silent watching the pages like fly down the highway. Oh my God. And so I had to like, because I lived at home still, so I had to call my dad and be like, dad, can you email me all these like maps again? I probably had them saved in like a file or something. And so he like emailed them to like Kinko's and we had to go to some random Kinko's and print it all out again. Oh my gosh. It's yeah. Crazy. So that was really interesting. Like what it was like. That's, um, that's so cool about your dad though. Like he's the one that you reached out to when you got so Yeah. And that's when I was like, this can't, this is, I can't lie anymore. I can't pretend that this is not a thing. Mm -hmm. I have like once I tell my dad this is real. Yeah. Was did I see you and your dad in a car commercial? Okay, that wasn't my real dad. Oh. Yeah. People keep thinking <laughs> that's my real dad. That's so funny. Oh. That was like, but yeah, that was a that's a Toyota commercial. That's pretty tight. I know. <laughs> Why are you in Toyota commercial? That was the craziest experience. That was like one of those like higher power things where I was like, I I'm freaking out because Bleached is, like, on hiatus from writing this record, so I have no income, and I, like, lit a candle to be, like, please, like, I need some sort of cash flow, mm -hmm. and then literally within the week, I got an, I got asked to go try out for this Toyota commercial to, be, to play a 16-year-old girl, which I was, like, there's no way they're going to hire me, but whatever, I'll go to this audition. Oh, my god! And then I go and I dress up as a schoolgirl because I'm, like, convinced if I'm a schoolgirl, maybe I'll get the role, <laughs> which totally helped because then I got a callback. And then the callback happened and they were like, okay, can you bring the rest of your band? At the time, Jesse and I didn't have a band because we were writing the record because mm -hmm. we just write the record. And so we, like, asked our old drummer to come. He didn't even show up. So it was just me and my sister. And I was like, now there's no way we're getting this audition. Like, we don't even have a band. Oh, my God. And then – but they had me stay in the room and keep reading with different dads. One of the dads being, like, a character from Sex in the City. Which one? Skip. Oh, my God, yeah. Wait, was it Skip or Skipper? Uh, Miranda dated him, yeah. right? I remember him. He Skip. But maybe it's Skipper and they call him Skip. For yeah, sure. yeah. I don't know, but I know who you're talking about. And so me and my sister were so excited. We were How like, did you oh my recognize God. him? My sister did, and then I was like, "You're right," because he looks the exact same. Oh my god! And then, yeah, and then I ended up getting the role. That's so funny. I thought it was your dad, your real dad. I was like, oh, it's so, so funny. A lot of people have asked me that because I thought he. You told me he was a musician too. And he is. Yeah, and he was sober. So I was like, oh, that's yeah. So cool. Oh. He was – the guy that plays my dad was actually in Boogie Nights, which is, like, one of my favorite movies Yeah, ever. that's a great movie. That's so cool. He's the guy that, like, the jock that they, like, beat up at the end. 
Wait, he's he get he gets in the car with like Roller Girl. Oh, okay. And then it's been a while since I saw this movie. And also, like he, I think there's a scene with him and um, what's his name, the main guy, um, Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, Mark Wahlberg. Marky Mark. I was gonna say Marky Mark. Yeah. <laughs> there's a scene where like, I think he's like trying to get a blowjob in the truck, and then they beat him up because they're like. Oh, okay. I th- it's something like that. Yeah, yeah. So that I was your that dad movie. in the Toyota commercial. <laughs> that was the guy that played my dad. And I didn't find out till like the day we were, as we were filming. And then all of a sudden I got a little bit starstruck because I'm like <laughs> such a fan of that movie. Wow. That's really funny. I guess the other thing that one of my favorite parts about just like being sober is like the friendships that come out of it because mm. I did not have any real friends, I feel like, before. And even a lot of my friends have crossed over from our party days to now. But it even was like, I don't think any of us really knew how to be real friends for each other. And now it's like I have real healthy friendships, which is so insane. Because before, I know that feeling too, because before probably like all you guys did was like drink and do drugs together. Yeah, exactly. Don't do that. And you get like so deep and close on such a superficial level Mm because it's through drugs. Yeah. And I, and I remember like always thinking too, like I wouldn't even know how to hang out with a friend sober. Like I have to be like, we have to be drinking. Like you think you're making memories, like you think you are, but you're like totally not. (laughs) Totally. You're not connecting at all. Yeah. You think that you are. It's really a weird fucked it's up twisted mm-hmm. so now you feel like more connected yeah you know? now it's just like i have legit friends that i'm always like doing things with and mm-hmm. not having like social anxiety at all which was the fear like yeah if i'm not drunk then i'm just gonna be really awkward yeah i i feel like um i that's where i struggle is like going to aa and opening up to new people i i have a lot of, i think it's my anxiety comes in and i'm like I so I still hang out with like a lot of my old friends, which I love them, but it, it's definitely like a struggle when none of your friends are sober. Mm, oh, so it's I could see that. I need yeah. to like get better about because yeah, when I go to meetings, just like my social anxiety is just like so high because it's like you're getting really vulnerable and sharing like really personal stuff with like a bunch of strangers mm, and yeah, and then like I'll sometimes open whenever I have opened up, I like feel really I guess I don't know embarrassed or like shameful even though no one said anything to make Mm -hmm. me feel that way it's just my anxiety Mm -hmm. and then I I won't go back to that meeting and like for a while and I just like I need to like stop totally nobody really cares like what I'm saying like they do care but like they're not like going home and thinking about it and judging me like I think that they are yeah and I so yeah I mean at least you like actually go and try and open up because I feel like for me I'm like, doing this right now, I feel very comfortable, but I still have a big fear of, like, sharing in meetings. Like, I, I'm i just, like, I don't – I don't – maybe – I don't know, maybe it's trust or something, but I don't really want to, like, be that vulnerable in front of a bunch of people I don't know. Like, I go to therapy. I'm fine doing it with my therapist, mm-hmm. but I still struggle with that. Yeah, I know, same. But I mean, it's like. But I then know. it's funny, we're doing it right now. Yeah. More people are going to hear this than people in a meeting. I know. But I think just it's more intimate right now. Yeah, totally. Okay, well, thank you so much for sharing this and for being open about your sobriety and like social media and coming here today. And thank you so much. And this was so fun. I guess, oh, we'll plug in. Where can people find you on Instagram? Oh, yeah. Um, Instagram is Hello Bleached, our band name Bleached. And then I think like everything we have is Hello Bleach. Like our website is Hello Bleach. 
bleach.com. But your band is just bleach. Bleach, but yeah. the band is just bleach. Okay. Yeah. And, and we put out a new record called Don't You Think You've Had Enough. It's really We're good. going on a U.S. tour with this band, The Paranoids, who I love, and this band, Dude York, doing a U.S. tour starting September 11th, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we're going to London on Wednesday. I'm like, mm-hmm, like I know. <laughs> like, I'm your booking agent? Yes. That's right. <laughs> I know. That's that too. <laughs> and then, yeah, you said you were going to London. Yeah. Your life is so cool. I'm excited for London. I'm just really tripping out over the jet lag. I don't know why I'm like letting myself like already stress about it when it's not even happening yet. It's like, it's just like in the past, it's so hard for me to stay awake during the daytime over there. Like, Like, so once you get there, it's bad. Yeah, like once I get there, because we land at like 9.30 a.m. their time, which is like, I think what would be 12 p.m. Like, we'd be about to go to sleep. Mm, Okay. And so then it's a full day of, like, press and playing a show. And I'm probably just going to fall asleep multiple times while sitting up. Hopefully you can sleep on the plane. Yeah, that's the – hopefully I sleep on the plane and that will help a lot. Yeah. And I'm – hopefully – Hopefully they have bang over there because bang is, like, insane. Have you drank in that? No. It's like an energy energy drink that, like, if you ever need to, like, take a test – some people are joking that it's like Adderall for sober people, mm. but I was never a fan of Adderall. So I, I liked Adderall. Hmm. Okay. Well, that could be dangerous, but maybe <laughs> I'll give it a shot. Okay. The one time I did it, I did not sleep for like two days because it like keeps you up. Oh my god, it's insane. And then I finally went to sleep the second night, and I slept, and then I like woke up like two hours later, and I was so alert and like ready for the day. <laughs> What is in it? It's like this, like it's, so, or the non-alcoholic four loco. Exactly, you? that's the other thing. Or non-alcoholic sparks. Oh my god. Yeah. Maybe I should stay away from that thing. Yeah. yeah, it's like different than Red Bull too, because Red Bull is more like a body energy high. Mm. Red Bull is the sativa of 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 energy energy drinks, drinks and um, Bang is the indica. It fucks you up. Yeah, it gets you it's a more head. Heady. Mm, okay. Wait, did I do those wrong? Sativa's the heady Sativa one. Sativa is the one that chill, makes you chill. Oh. No. I don't see I don't know that. either. That's I good. wasn't that into weed That's culture. That's so good. That's that good. Congrats. <laughs> Congrats to us. It's a good sign. Okay. Um, okay, cool. Well, yeah, guys, go uh, check out Bleach on Instagram and their new album and all that stuff. And if you're in London, you should go see them next week. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Sean. Bye. Bye. <laughs>